Good Monday, everyone. I am Eric Straup, your host of the Fisher of Men podcast, part of Foundations in Christ with Eric and Tracy Straup. Be sure to go to our Facebook page and like it and turn on your notifications so you can see all that we're doing. Um, where to start today? I, uh, I have to tell you, I had a great plan for today until about 10.30 last night when <clears throat> God sort of reorganized what I was going to talk about today um, through the act of my wife, <laughs> who asked me last night as we were laying in bed to read to her, which sometimes she does as she goes to sleep. And I happened to be reading, I keep this book by my bed, uh, The Holiness of God, R.C. Sproul. And I read a little bit of it every night. And uh, I've really been pushing lately through the Gospel of John. And for those who are not familiar with the Gospels, I encourage you to get familiar with them. But John is especially good for revealing the character of God. Uh, Many of the, the other writers in the New Testament were more like reporters uh, and instructors, but John really focused, he was a reporter as well, but he really focused on the character qualities of God. And I appreciate his writing so much more now and where I'm at with my faith. Um, so I'll, I'll get into that in a bit. I want to tell you, I want to digress a little bit. Anybody um, who would be thrust into Tracy and I's life, I would say in the last 30 days, would look at it and go, wow, God is definitely moving here. Um, we have had a range of experiences and challenges uh, that are incredible, um, good and bad, <coughs> excuse me, um, but all inspired. And I think, you know, I have a tendency to look back on things that occurred in our lives and, and really see the finger of God moving, moving the parts around. And it's, uh, it's just evidence to me of the existence of our Holy Lord and Savior. Um, so I want to just give you a little bit of a, a background of what's what's happening. You know, God puts people in your lives um, for a reason. And one of the people that has popped into our life that has really had an effect on me is a, a man named Todd Templeton. He is the pastor of Half Moon Christian Fellowship Church. Uh, in near State College. <clears throat> and I spoke there a few weeks ago at a wild game feed. And I had met Todd before. We had, we had met him uh, last fall and, and liked him, uh, just didn't really have the opportunity to know him as we have recently. And I've uh, gotten a chance to know him. And he's one of the people that I look at and 
really helped me assess where I'm at in my faith. Reminds me very much of the person that brought me to Christ. Uh, was a young man in uh, West Virginia who I hired for a position. I had no idea he was a Christian or a pastor. And, uh, but I knew immediately that there was something different about him. And <clears throat> excuse me, when I, when I began to talk to him, uh, I happened to be at a very low point in my life. And uh, he brought me to Christ. Of course, I had no idea. I, I never even thought along the lines of him being a godly man because I didn't have that in my, in my vocabulary, so to speak. Um, God was not a part of my life at all. But as soon as he brought that up, I recognized it immediately. <clears throat> now, a few years after that, I find myself in my walk with Jesus and I find myself at a place where I am being called to sort of up my game. And, and it's, it's an internal feeling that I'm like, okay, it's time to hit the next level. And into my life comes Todd Templeton. This man is uh, humble, gentle, loving, uh, every quality that the Bible calls us to be that I'm seeing in this man. And it really makes me look at myself. And I said to Tracy, I said, boy, I got a long way to go. <laughs> but, you know, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to me. And so I'm, I've been pushing into the book of John. And last night I was reading uh, John chapter 15 and the first two verses I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And I thought, man, how is, how is God pruning me right now? Um, he's putting people into my life. Uh, he's making certain challenges appear that are causing me to take that next step. And it's just awesome. And I coupled that with <clears throat> what I'm reading with R.C. Sproul. And I'm, I'm going to kind of pattern this lesson today after this book. If you don't have a copy of this, this was, uh, this is an older book, I think. I can't even find the copyright in it, but it's, uh, let me see here. It's called The Holiness of God. 1985. Great, great read. It really is. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I'm getting to this point in my faith where I am starting to understand who and what God really is. And it really defines yourself. And I so much more now understand what Paul wrote in Romans 7, it's uh, Romans 7, verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? It really makes you realize how wretched you are as a human being. How 
hopeless we are against sin. And in turn, what it does is it makes you realize the greatness and the love and the mercy of our Lord. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> Paul lays this out, and I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to sort of go through what each of these lines means. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to rest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, in the Old Testament, worship really centered around the altar and the temple and around sacrifices. Uh, they, they sacrificed animals and various goods, grains, and these were sin offerings. And what they really were, as everything in the Old Testament was, was a symbol that pointed toward the great sacrifice that our Lord Jesus would make on the cross. Now, after we had the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, there was no longer a reason in the church to have animal sacrifices. In fact, to, to continue that would have been an insult to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. So Paul calls for a new kind of sacrifice in that it is a living sacrifice of our bodies. So that, as he said in the first line there, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So a living sacrifice of our bodies. <clears throat> so to present ourselves totally to God as walking, breathing, living sacrifices. So, so you say, what, what does that look like? Well, first thing it looks like is you do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. <clears throat> so this is where a lot of Christians kind of go off the rails, in my opinion. Um, I, I was one of them myself, uh, just because you don't understand really what, it, what he's calling for here. Um, to be a nonconformist, I guess, is, is something that you see in a lot of churches. Uh, it can be superficial. It can be the way that you dress. It can be, you know, declaring that you're not going to go see R-rated movies. Um, it can be, <clears throat> we're not going to eat meat on Fridays. I mean, these are all things that are superficial. And it's exactly what the Pharisees did uh, back in the day of Jesus. <clears throat> They're called externals. And Jesus said, remember, he said, it's not what goes into a person's mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of his mouth. 
And R.C. Sproul says, you know, that that is something that he calls majoring in minors and blowing significant trifles out of proportion. And, and ultimately what we're doing there is imitating the Pharisees. <clears throat> it really doesn't require a whole lot of moral courage to do those sorts of things. What is really difficult is to control the tongue and to act with integrity and to reveal the fruit of the spirit. True nonconformists um, <clears throat> stop coveting. They stop gossiping. They stop slandering. They stop hating and feeling bitter. They start to practice the fruit of the spirit. You know, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for exactly this. And it was in Matthew 23, verse 23 and 24. And if you, if you want to see a, a real takedown, read Matthew 23. <clears throat> Here's just a piece of it. Jesus said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Now, he did this in the temple in front of everybody. You hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. <clears throat> What we are really going for with nonconformity is transformation, a renewal of your mind, which Paul said back here, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, true transformation is really what we're ultimately after. We want to become more like the image of Christ. We are to be like Jesus. What we want is, is to have the mind of Christ. And this cannot happen without the word. And Tracy and I talk about this all the time. You need to have a mastery of the world, of the word. And this means educating yourself, listening to podcasts, listening to preachers, getting in the word and reading it yourself, read books. You know, you have to be discerning on some of this, but you will. I promise that the Lord will give you discernment with this, but you have to make a serious level of sacrifice with your education. You've got to be educated in the word. We cannot be content with <clears throat> excuse me, a superficial understanding of God. And I, I, I talked to a lot of Christians today um, that I talked to on the water that, that really they, they gain what they think is an understanding of God, and then they never push further with their education in it. And I can assure you, the understanding I had with God two years ago compared to the understanding I have today is much different. You have to keep pushing. It is the living word, and the Lord will reveal himself to you.
to be a saint <clears throat> means to be separated, but it's more than that. It's a vital process of sanctification. We are purified daily in the growing pursuit of holiness. Martin Luther had a wonderful Latin phrase that said, simul justice et peccator. And what that means is at the same time, just and sinner. At the same time, just and sinner. So I'm going to read you a quote from this book, um, The Holiness of God. This is R.C. Sproul. That saints are still sinners is obvious. How then can they be just? Saints are just because they have been justified. In and of themselves, they are not just. They are made just in God's sight by the righteousness of Christ. This is what justification by faith is about. When we put our personal trust for our salvation in Christ and in him alone, then God transfers to our account all of the righteousness of Jesus. His justness becomes ours when we believe in him. It is a legal transaction. The transfer of righteousness is like an accounting transaction where no real property is exchanged. That is, God puts Jesus's righteousness in my account while I am still a sinner. I think that's one of the best explanations I've heard for this in a long time. And it was funny. I was reading this to Tracy last night in bed and I read that and I looked over to her and I said, how about that? And she was dead asleep. <laughs> so <clears throat> justification is by faith. It's by faith alone, but it's not by a faith that is alone. That's a really important distinction. James said it earlier in the book of James. He said, Faith without deeds is dead. That's James 2.26. True faith always produces real conformity to Christ. If justification happens to us, then sanctification surely follows it, if that makes sense. There is no sanctification. If there's no sanctification, it means that there's, there never was any justification. So it's kind of proof uh, sanctification is proof of your justification. The instant we believe, we are immediately justified. <clears throat> so where, where am I going with all this? I guess the goal of our Christian growth is the achievement of righteousness. God calls us to be holy, and Christ sets the priority of our Christian life when he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And that's in Matthew 6.33. The goal here is righteousness. <clears throat> the fruit of righteousness is the fruit that is exercised in us by the Holy Spirit. If we have a real hunger for righteousness, then we have to focus our attention on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, Tracy and I talked about this yesterday. 
<coughs> excuse me, yesterday, and we we contrasted the fruit of righteousness versus the fruit of our sinful nature. And I'll end with this. The fruit of our sinful nature, um, if you didn't see our video yesterday, go check it out. The acts, this is uh, Galatians 5.19. The act, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Paul is talking about <clears throat> a lifestyle that is habitually characterized by these things. There are both um, external and internal sins. In other words, they're, they're sins of the body and of the mind. And we tend to think that uh, <clears throat> one sin is equal to another sin. And I thought that for a long time. But when Jesus came, he talked about degrees of sin. And this is something we touched on yesterday, Tracy and I. Um, <clears throat> we didn't talk about the degrees, but we talked about being sinful. And I guess the, the easiest way to put it is, Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, um, that breaks this, this, the law of murder. That doesn't mean you murdered him. It just means you, you broke the law of murder or idolatry. He said, if you lust after a woman or adultery, I mean, I'm sorry. <clears throat> if you lust after a woman, you've broken the law of adultery. That doesn't mean that you actually committed adultery, but you thought about it. And that is a sin. And all sin, even the smallest sins, are a sin against the whole law. So if you're angry with your brother, even though you didn't shoot him, you've still committed a sin against that law. And all of our sins are treason against God. And we need a Savior for all of them, for the small ones and for the large ones. In contrast to the sins of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit yields virtues we recognize in godly people. <clears throat> in Galatians 5, the next verse, 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's Galatians 5.22 and 23. We must practice the fruit of the Spirit, especially now and where we are. It's where our focus needs to be. And we ended our podcast yesterday, Tracy and I, <clears throat> with the next verse in Galatians. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That is really important during this time. Tensions are high. People are worried. People are scared. It is very important that we live in the fruit of the Spirit at this time and recognize that we may be being pruned by the Lord. Recognize the challenges that are presented in front of you as God's way of making you more fruitful. God bless you all. Have a great week. I'll see you tomorrow with my Bible study, which I don't know where that's going. I'll see you about 1030 tonight. Love you all. Have a great day.